0: Alright, we're back with another episode of the Saxo Market Call and um, I'm here with Ole. We're going to talk about commodities and we have three topics uh, lined up here. Precious metals, we're going to talk about energy and agricultural, And as you said Ole, um, there's also a lot of things brewing in the green transformation space. We have um, Siemens Energy basically collapsing today and looking for... Huge amount of guarantees from the German government, and um, we have Sunrun in the US uh, tanking. We have had Orsted. We've talked about that on some of our equity equities podcasts. So we'll talk about that next week, I think, mm-hmm. because it's really something that is is taking the market uh, by surprise here. I think, and it seems like almost a meltdown now. Um, but yeah, because we, we obviously have a we have a,
1: a tough month for equities, no doubt about it. Yeah. So I think if, when we look at the equity baskets. Uh, that uh, you've created over the last couple of years, uh, Peter, is really only uranium. Uh, no, sorry, uh, defense that's up this month, and uh, and this green transformation is down more than 20%. So uh, it's yeah. really something going on. But I think part of that is also the reason what we why we are seeing some of the movements in in the actual commodities because uh, funding costs are very high and it's uh, having a negative impact. But yeah, also uh, having some support in in other areas like precious metals,
0: right. And and we're going to talk about that because gold has really been on a on a on a strong move lately, and, um, and we have another event. So it seems like we are now in a regime with the galloping interest rates, where we sort of we the market is looking for a breaking point where something starts to break, and we've had a a break. Breakout in the last 24 hours in uh, in dollar yen. A lot of talk ahead of that Bank of Japan meeting on Monday. What will they do? Will they continue to let the currency uh, go into uh, into the basket, or will they change their course on the yield curve control? And it seems like gold is really being favored here. And I mean, as you said, I mean, gold is something that can that can. Keep value if anything else is in distress, whether it's geopolitical or it's uh, the currency. So, Ule, take us through what you think, what your what your thoughts are on on gold and what could happen next. Well, I think first and
1: foremost, uh, the if you look at what normally tends to drive gold, uh, you can throw that out the window just for now, uh, and that's really also I think what's causing a lot of head scratching because simply we are seeing right now and has been have seen for the past couple of weeks that gold has been rallying at the same time as the dollar has been going up and yields has been moving sharply higher as well so that's really not what the 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 textbook tells us that uh, should happen uh, normally there's an inverse correlation but it does obviously highlight there's something else going on and what we're si- uh, seeing recently is actually as you mentioned peter whenever gold goes up whenever yields go up gold actually go up as well because simply we reach the level i think in interest rates and yields long end yields where there is a risk that uh, this this market could become disorderly uh, maybe in an uh, a liquidity event. um lots of debts or lots of losses are currently sitting on books uh, at all all sorts of investing investing houses from banks to asset managers to pension funds and the, the, basically that this is creating some tensions and it really is going to be interesting to see what what the fmc will do next week because obviously all the data we had from the us coming in over the last uh, last few weeks here they're all strong most of them are strong. And uh, where does that leave the FMC? Uh, will they still uh, claim that uh, rising yields is is doing the job for them? So they're not doing it. Going to do anything? Or are we going to see any signs of them worrying about the, uh, the 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 spike we're seeing in in yields right now? So um, it's adding to the upside momentum. Middle East tension probably kicked off the move a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but what we also uh, f- saw that just ahead of that uh, that rally uh, that started, yeah, two and a half weeks ago, was simply that the market had built up a, a net short. Speculators were holding a net short, and that led to obviously a massive amount of of uh, flipping positions, and that that uh, kicked off the initial rally. But right now, I think we are in a situation where basically, if yields go up, gold go up because the
0: market is concerned about what it may lead to. Right, and 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 uh, yeah, as, as you said, I mean the the U.S. economy is is um, is very strong, so. Um, yeah, the rates are probably going to be up here for some, quite some time. I, I read an article as well and uh, that's why I mentioned as well the the dollar yen move is that <clears throat> the the continuous weakness of the of the Japanese yen I think is increasingly scaring a lot of investors in Japan and they're mm-hmm. looking for alternative to preserve their um their wealth mm-hmm. um because right now if you're a Japanese investor you're really suffering relative to the to the world because of your declining currency um so, I wonder how much buying there is actually from, from Japanese investors. I don't know even if there are numbers out on that. I just, Bloomberg had an article that there are things on the move, at least in Japan, on that account.
1: Not, not, uh, not specifically, but uh, but that is obviously uh, something that we have seen also happening elsewhere. We've seen that in in, uh, in China, where the weakness of the remember this year has also triggered quite a strong uh, strong surge in demand for for gold. So, it is a it is a look uh, is the lookout for an alternative, and uh, and right now it seems like gold and Bitcoin are the two areas where where investors are looking. I think also because uh, some of the weakness we're seeing in the U.S. now is, is some of these. These high-flying technology stocks, and this really has been an area that's been populated by, or popular among, our younger investors, and and they are they're probably, I think maybe a little bit quicker to uh, to, to shift direction. Say, well, I need something else. Uh, what else is moving? And uh, they're looking at both Bitcoin and gold going up, and uh, they want to join the move. So let's see what happens. I think the in the week ahead, we there's a couple of things we will be well, we have to keep an eye out for, and that's uh, first and foremost within the gold market, whether there is a pickup in ETF uh, demand. We've seen that flow uh, on a continued uh, downward trend now for for more than a year, and it hasn't really shown any sign of pickup, even though we had this very strong rally. And I think that has to do with asset managers basically looking still at the, the high level of interest rates uh especially at the short end so basically funding cost of holding a gold position is still high and they need comfort they want confirmation that the peak is in before they start really to engage and if that happens that that could be the next uh trigger for for further gold uh gold appreciation simply because the etf the um, number or dcf holding is relatively weak <coughs> excuse me and then also i think we looking at the bond market next week the quarterly refunding is going to be announced and uh, and we know that the, the treasury needs to issue a, a heck of a lot of bonds uh, in in the coming coming months and years and uh, they are basically going to k- announce how much they uh, they're looking to refund in terms of 3s 5s 10s and long end uh, long end bonds and uh, that as well could potentially weigh on yields or lift yields and and uh, see what gold how gold reacts to that we got the fmc meeting and um, then i think also um, some of the, the other metals that are Potentially, could be benefiting from this investment demand is silver and platinum. Right now, they are they've been left behind. Platinum's discount to gold is at a, at a record, and silver's uh, re- the gold-silver ratio is also recently elevated, so indicating that uh, silver is not where the investors are heading right now. But if gold manages to hold on to these gains, then uh, we probably will see some uh, l- some search for relative value plays, and uh, that's where silver and platinum comes in. But we're not quite there yet.
0: All right. Fast forward to. The energy market, and um, well, right now we're seeing the uh, the initial moves, and in in what supposedly, according to the uh, Israeli army, is going to be a land invasion of the northern part of the uh, the Gaza stri- uh, Strip, um, and then we'll see how that sort of impacts the geopolitical landscape and what it means for for energy markets. I would say right now the energy market has been, can I say, rather well behaved, given what has taken place in. In terms of geopolitical risk, um, you've been you've you've written down here in our script that the, the demand for fuel has been have, have dropped, and I think I would just wanted to link that into the the earnings release we got from UPS today, talking about you know a macro environment at least in terms of volumes that are being shipped around the world and shipments in general uh, a little bit under pressure. Um, I don't know how big that is for for overall fuel, but it's um, a lot of things are happening in the energy market. We also had these uh, two big. Uh, mer- uh, acquisitions from ExxonMobil and Chevron it seems like the two american giants there they're doubling down on uh, on oil and gas as we see green transformation basically melting uh, melting down here they they're doubling down on the, the 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 old energy sources if you will the ones that we know the ones that actually makes the world go around
1: indeed and and i, and I think part of that is simply the fact that we are not going to see a peak in in oil demand anytime soon and uh, I think one of the priced asset uh, assets that were were bought in this merger was uh, the uh, the was the access to uh, Guyana, mm-hmm. uh, oil fields, which is an area with just uh, next to Venezuela, an area that that does hold uh, the, a bigger uh, reserve mm-hmm. than Saudi Arabia, and uh, this is really a potential growth area, and uh, and that's probably one of the reasons why they they they, they make this uh, this merger. But also I think in the assumption that the prices are likely to remain high in the, in the foreseeable future simply because investments are going to be struggling a little bit to, to, to keep up with the demand, which is, is likely still to may remain firm in the in the years ahead, especially if we see this challenging now for the green transformation, which may slow down that uh, that transition. So it's uh, most certainly a fascinating area to to keep an eye on. But uh, as you mentioned, Peter, yes, the this geopolitical risk premium just come and, come and goes, and it's been uh, ebbing and flowing now on a regular basis uh, for the past couple of weeks. And it just highlights a market where you – where the underlying fundamentals are starting to show some some weakness that basically means you're buying in you're buying on the assumption of a of a supply disruption uh, because the underlying fundamentals fundamentals are not really supporting prices above $90 in Brent at this point in time and it also means that if you are if you're buying on the assumption that there will be a disruption, then you're also are very quick to give uh, give back that position if if uh, if prices show signs of weakness. And what we have seen now for the past uh, couple of weeks is basically that refinery margins are coming down. They are under pressure as fuel demand starts to, to slow. And uh, at the same time also uh, something like the spreads between Brent and WTI against the Dubai Variety have also hit the lowest levels uh, in Brent Dubai since September and uh, WTI Dubai since August. That's important because it does highlight how the market perceives the risk of disruptions from from the uh, from the Middle East. Uh, obviously, that spread is how you how you kind of price that mm. between uh, if if you think there's going to be a lack of uh, supplies from Middle East, then obviously that spread will will widen out. They have actually come down recently, so the market is fairly fairly uh, benign about the, the the risk. And I think the, the main reason for that is simply that. US is no longer a major customer uh, buying oil from the Middle East. It's India, it's China. Russia has a major, uh, Russia is sending a lot of oil to uh, the Middle East uh, for refining, which is then shipped back to a place like Europe uh, because we can't buy it directly from them, but it ends, uh, probably ends up in European cars anyway. Um, and that, so there's a lot of interest from major sources, major uh, countries apart from the US and others that, that don't really want to see this, uh, this spread. Saudi Arabia, they have a massive uh, plan for their future and uh, they don't want to be disrupted by, by war as well. So I think that's, so that, I think that potentially could, could prevent um, it spreading that. And that's why I'm a little bit lukewarm about calling $100 plus anytime soon. Uh, still looking for Brent probably settling into this $85 to $95 range.
0: Alright, last uh, topic today. Agriculture um what is to i mean it's often as you said we, we you and i we had a presentation yesterday at the uh, Copenhagen Business School and and you said in your presentation on commodities i've learned the hard way not to talk too much about you know soft and, and grains etc because it's a very sensitive area it goes into how you f- you know the price and that it goes into how you feed populations etc so it's a it's a sensitive area but we have to talk about it because there's a lot of price movements mm-hmm. and we're seeing across that spectrum Yep. Um, like sugar we're hitting prices we haven't seen for uh, decades no, yeah, right?
1: Absolutely and 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 what we what we have seen this uh, so far this second half which is now into uh, into the la- and we're into the last quarter is that there's been a quite distinctive gap in the performance between grains which has been going down uh, down around uh, 7% this uh, second half and soft commodities which are uh, uh, cocoa, coffee, sugar and so on they, it's up, that index is up 12% and I think part of that is uh, well, it's obviously a battle between ample uh, versus tight supply. Ample supply of grains following a northern hemisphere, hemisphere crop season, which turned out to be better than expected, and southern hemisphere concerns about uh, uh, about the El Nino having an impact on uh, having a weather impact. And this is really some of the regions where we're seeing some of these soft commodities being uh, being being produced: uh, cocoa on the Ivory Coast uh, and and uh, sugar in 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 India and in Thailand and, and Brazil and and so on and uh, obviously I haven't even talked about uh, orange juice which is hitting a record high but uh, I love oil olive and olive oil indeed uh, olive oil is uh, used to be uh was it uh, $2,000 a ton? Now this risk is going to hit $10,000 a ton. So uh, stock up on your olive oil for for the coming season. Um, but something like cocoa as well hitting a 44-year high. So it just shows that even though we are not talking too much about it, the, uh, the, the the changes we're seeing and we are seeing some stresses in some of these major in some of these markets. But obviously, we can live with cocoa at a 44-year high. But uh, if we suddenly saw wheat or rice prices uh search to these kind of levels then obviously it would be a complete different uh, different uh, thing we'll be will be focusing on so uh, so for now s- the soft is is, is hurtful it's painful but it's not it's not uh, it's, it's not as severe as if it was the grain sector that was uh, that was leading the way and, and luckily so far we we survived another year with ample supply
0: that's um, that's good news um i think on a closing remark it's important to say as well that you know we live in a world where you know, we came out of the world where there was constant talk about potential deflation risks to the economy. Um, that was the story after the Great Financial Crisis. I think now we're in an environment where you know we'll, from time to time, talk about inflation risk, and we'll have these short periods of, uh, of volatility around inflation. And um, you know, I think history is pretty clear that um, uh, you know, it tends to be a good idea in your in your asset allocation, your portfolio, to have exposure to commodities. And there's if you follow Ole. In our various uh, research notes on analysis, Saxo um there are, he he provides plenty of of ticker codes um, for ETFs that tracks um, usage ETFs I should say for European investors that track the different areas of the uh, of the uh, commodity sector, but also you know some that track the entire commodity sector. So go look for that. But I think that. Um, I think we are done for today, um, and we'll be back, of course, uh, with another episode of our uh, of our podcast uh, next week. And um, so, and, uh, yeah. actually, if I may, uh,
1: next week we have a very special guest. Uh, I don't think I don't want to disclose just yet who that no, is, but keep uh, that a secret. But uh, we have a we have a special guest who's uh, coming from
0: London. All right, we'll see you soon. Thank you for listening.